This is a Boardwalk Audio podcast. I just drink wine. Welcome to the wine situation, my darlings, my loves, my listeners. Hey, you're all three. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I don't know you. Or do I? That was a weird opening. Hi, welcome to the wine situation. The situation being that we're all still, you know, in quarantine, sort of. But they're like, but we're opening things up, but not really. But we're maybe we're doing it so that people don't party in closed homes for the Super Bowl. But then we're going to take away TVs being outside. So much stuff going on here, guys. Anyway, the situation is hopefully you're chilling out by yourself or with your pod or what, you're being safe. And um, if you're happening to be having a a beverage and you don't want to be alone and you want to learn about wine, well, guess what? I, L. Clifford, or Ellen, either one, L. Ellen, take your pick, I'm here to be your drinking friend. I will hopefully, I don't know, make you laugh, teach you things, change your life for the better. (laughs) And yeah, that's, so what do we do here? What do we do here on The Wine Situation besides drink well we have we have segments many a segment actually not that many we have a few um and from those segments shall come the tangents and from the tangents we'll try and move on to segments because sometimes i tangent so much so yeah segments tangents uh, yeah that's all how are you doing how is life uh you know tell me what you had for breakfast today (laughs) <laughs> I miss uh, in, in-person in recording sessions, like the standard question anywhere, everywhere, when they're te- like testing everyone's mic is, what'd you have for breakfast today? Which, you guys, I don't eat breakfast. It always, and as someone who's had like an eating disorder past, having to answer and being like, I don't eat breakfast, then all of a sudden I'm like, they're gonna judge me and think I'm sick. So this uh, this question gives me a lot of qualms. So, you know, I'm just like, black coffee with cinnamon and hope they don't say, but what did you eat? Um, but you know what? Uh, uh, why don't you find me on the social medias, Ellen Clifford on Instagram or the wine situation. If you have my number, to, you know what? I would like to know what you had for breakfast today. And if the answer was warm water with lemon, then a fuck you. Um, no, not really. Um, you know, that that's a fine answer, but I want to know, this is your assignment for the week. I'm before I even give anything, I'm, I'm assigning you something. I want you to contact me and tell me what you have for breakfast. Okay. Uh, that was a really weird self-righteous. Okay. I don't know why I said it like that. You guys, I'm, I'm in an odd mood. It's like Sunday. I'm rec- <laughs> Sadly, it's, it's 950, which is for me these days early to be recording. Cause I don't know. I'm just, I'm tired guys. <sighs> Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm in a funny mood. I can't, I, well, maybe I know why. Uh, that being said, let's just, let's just have an agenda so you know what you're really in for besides segments and tangents and like maybe goth things and wine talk and I don't know if I can bring up cats, I will. Uh, so the agenda, we are going to have another fun, fun game of who, what, when, where, why, wine, where I drop the clues throughout the episode. As I say, these clues that are dropped, they're like the bones of of the podcast, and the segments in between that are like the vegetarian meat. Uh, this week, I'm going to say it's cheese. 
it, it is Colby cheese. I was eating Colby cheese with mustard earlier this week. It was delightful. So uh, the game of who, what, when, where, why wine will be the bones upon which the Colby cheese with mustard <laughs> this podcast hang upon. We will have a fabulous celebratory wine. Not a woman winemaker. Uh, but there's a re- I just, it, I'll explain it. We're going to have a, you know, I think I've, it's it's a, a not a film a TV show with a lot of drinking in it so we're gonna have kind of a, a review of it and the booze within it I realized I never you know I give like such clever names to all my other segments and I don't think I've ever named when I talk about um, cinema or TV wine things I will have to think about that I was like cinema chat I don't I don't know if you have suggestions besides okay I want to know what you ate for breakfast. And I want suggestions for what I call it when I talk about the booze in a a film type thing. And, you know, then after I finish telling you about that, we'll reveal what the who, what, when, where, why wine was, and then we're done! I'm keeping this one short, because you guys, a uh, week after this, I'm going to have, I'm, I'm going to go back to just a little bit, just for this one week, um, to the long form, I, I'm gonna have a winemaker on on the phone, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about her life, and drink her wine, and you'll get to play along. Okay, let's you guys. This I'm just gonna I'm gonna get you out of here lightning fast, so you can go on to your very very important life. Thank you for sharing your time with me. Let's have our first clue of who, what, when, where, why wine. Your who is Charles Tam, with two M's. T-A-M-M. He was the first in this, uh, this week's, uh, it's both a winery and a region. Um, he was the first to plant in this area because he was looking for soil similar to his native Burgundy. Your who is Charles Tam. Okay, now we have, oh, did I even tell you? We're going to have an update before I give you the next clue. Here's the big update. Here's another reason I'm in a crazy mood. You guys, I'm done with the Wine and Spirit Educational Trust Diploma. I got news on Monday that I passed the test I took in October, which is the last of the six tests, which means sweet mother, as sweet cats in heaven, I now have a post-nominal. I can be Ellen Clifford Dip W set, <laughs> which my friend pointed out to me sounds shockingly close to Ellen Clifford dipshit. But no, I will be Ellen Clifford Dip W set. I it's really quite anticlimactic because like I didn't get a note at, like with the court of master sommeliers they make a very big sort of announcement of who got their well at least when I got my certified you know they gather everyone in the room they pass out bubbly it happens like the same day that you took the test and this I didn't even get anything saying you're done with diploma it was just our teacher emailed all of us and she copied all of us in the email um to tell us that we'd passed our unit for, you taste the units all out of order, it's, it's wild guys, um, our sparkling test, a sparkling wine test. And I hadn't even seen that email yet, but I guess, and you guys, I, I think there's only, of the people that started in my class, because like each year a new class starts, but because you take segments out of order, sometimes you end up with people that started earlier or later than you. Um, I think only like two, maybe three other people in uh, my class have passed all the tests on our first try. So we're like the first of our class to to achieve our diploma, which uh, yes, I'm bragging about myself. 
um, yeah, so I was just sitting there on Monday afternoon, minding my own business. Now, granted, for the last two weeks, because I thought the results were going to come in, I'd been checking that email, like, nonstop, but I was just sitting there when my friend Mark, who had also passed the sparkling test, he started the year after me, so Mark, you got a ways to go, but you're going to get there, and I'm going to be here to be a mentor now. <laughs> now that I have a diploma, I could be a mentor. Um, guys, my britches are just, I'm too big for them already, and it's not just because I've been eating so much under COVID. Um... I get this text from him saying, does this mean you're done with diploma? And I knew when I saw that, that the email must be in. And I was just like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And I started shaking like in nobody's business. And I go to the email and I, I see that I passed sparkling. So I, just to make sure, because suddenly in my mind, I'm just, you guys, I had a nightmare last night that I was taking another WSET test. And then I was like, wait a second, but I thought I was done. But if I'm taking this other test, I must not actually be done. What's going on? Um, anyway, so I emailed back our teacher and was like, does this mean I'm done with diploma? And she emailed me back and was like, yes, congratulations. They'll probably send your diplomas and I guess our, our pens in summer. And then you'll get the official uh, like logo that I can put by my name on business cards and stuff. Ah, uh, I just, I, I could not quite believe it. I still can't quite believe it. It's been nearly three years since I started this undertaking. There are lawyers in our class who say passing these tests are harder than taking the bar. <laughs> and you guys, I'm done. So <laughs> I'm going to give myself like another week of chill time and then I'm going to start investigating uh, the MW program and getting into that. And uh, you know, I want to buy myself a million expensive graduation gifts, but I probably shouldn't do that. I should probably be saving my pennies for the MW program if I'm going to do it, which I probably will. <laughs> I, I just, I don't know if I can immediately. It's expensive. Unless, I, I don't know, should I start a, what's it called, a Patreon? Um, one of those things. Wait, is that what it's called? Patreon? Where people can give you money because they like your podcast? I don't know. I should start one of those. But I'm scared. I'm like, I don't... I probably don't have that enough list. I don't know. I don't know if I have enough listeners. Anyway, guys, that's the update. Let's, uh, before I just wax poetic about my own glory much longer, let's go on and, oh yeah, that's also where we're opening celebratory wine. Um, let, let's have another clue. Your who was Charles Tam first to plant in this area because he was looking for a soil similar to his native Burgundy, which gives you a clue about what the soil is there. Um, your what is basically a monopole. Okay, hopefully the editing isn't too weird there. For some reason, my phone stopped recording for a second. And so I, I, I'm getting back into it. You, so as I said, basically a monopole um, because there's only one winery there and it has the same name as the region. So that's your what. Now, let me tell you, I, of course, I was like, I gotta go buy, I, I gotta buy myself some, like, real champagne <laughs> to celebrate this. So I went to, I was at my, my usual, my usual place, um, Eve Bottle Shop, and uh, Nathaniel was like, oh, hey, I either have really expensive champagne or I've got, like, this one that's super great and super cool because they, like, have a school there. And it's, it, it's great champagne, so, and it's, you're going to get a real good discount on it. And I was like, I'll take that. Thank you. So what I have is, well, the funny thing is whenever I've seen the name of this champagne house written, my mind just goes Sanger. It's spelled S-A-N-G-E-R. And when Nathaniel started talking about it and he was talking about Sanger and somehow I when he brought out the bottle, I was like, oh, Sanger, Sanger. But then uh, in my research of them, um, they say 
on their website pronounced songe, S-A-N-S-G-U-E-R-R-E, which translates to without war. Um, so apparently, I guess we are both wrong. Songe. I hope I'm saying that right. <laughs> anyway, Songe. Uh, the brand name uh, is, I'm just reading you what it says on the website now. Uh, pronounced Sange, meaning without war, the brand name Sang- Sange is no mistake. It is the echo of the spirit of Sange. I'm just going to say it like that from now on. Breathed into the business by our founding fathers and still resonating in us today. Our name inspires each of our cuvées, which are all produced with an environmentally conscious attitude. Our name is also our guide. It is how we share with you what makes us proud. The heritage and future of Champagne. It's what gets us out of the bed every single, mor- Ingles every single morning. Our insatiable desire to share our knowledge and our noble, generous, and unique wines of Champagne. So that's cool. Um, they have a cool history. Uh, apparently, it was founded by these 16 wine growers. So I guess it was like the original grower champagne kind of. Um, <laughs> in 1952, they were all alumni of the same school. It says uh, they, they call them our founding fathers. They had all been through like World War II. And so it says they quickly grasped the importance of sharing their experiences in order to work well together. Together, they created an independent winemaking cooperative within their school. Uh, the school there is called Aviz. Avise Vidi. Um, Avise is also um, a subregion of the Cote Blanc. So I'm assuming that's where all these grapes are from. Um, anyway, it says their objective was to pass down their precious production and marketing tools as well as their expertise to subsequent generations. I like this wine. It's it's a giver. And it's oh, it makes sense that they want it to be they'd want it to be Songer if they'd all been through World War II. Oof. Holy moly. Um, oh, let's see what else they have to say. In our cooperative, our students have learned from our ancestors from the Champagne region who have passed down their knowledge to the following generations. Thanks to their generosity and our cooperative, Sangue, is now recognized as a Champagne by the people of Champagne. So, yeah, I think that's super cool. Now, these, this particular bottling, which I'm going to get from my fridge right now, Please excuse the weird. I don't know why I do weird voices sometimes, guys. Um, this is a Brut Nature. It says Sangue Avise, A-V-I-Z-E, Voyage 360. So that is that is the name of this. Um, I didn't find this particular bottling on the Sangue website, or uh, but I did find like uh, someone who imports it, and they say that it is an, indeed from Avise. In Champagne, it says 34% Pinot Noir, 33% Chardonnay, 33% Pinot Meunier. So basically equal parts. And then like they have tasting notes. I'm not going to read the tasting notes because I want to do my own taste. So what's going to happen right now is you guys, you guys, this is my graduation champagne. I mean, maybe once the world opens up and once I actually receive my diploma and stuff, I'll have like an actual graduation party, which people are, feel free to send me graduation presents. Don't. Doesn't that happen when people graduate college? People, like, send them checks and stuff. You know, just saying. <laughs> God, I'm pathetic. Okay, so... Woo, here comes the cork. Oh, opened like someone who's a certified sommelier with a quartermaster sommeliers. So quietly. Ah, uh, let's pour this in the glass. I am going to take a sip of this. 
after I cheers you, of course. I hope you have something delicious in your glass too. I really do. Please, please enjoy the moment with me. I want to, sh I can't share it with other people in person right now. So I want to share it with you. Um, we'll have another clue and then I'll taste it. I'll, I'll play the game. It's not a game. Okay, you guys. Fucking cheers. Cheers. Woohoo! Smells like champagne. Ooh. Oh, oh, that's sexy. Well, Songa, that's a very sexy wine. I like it. Um, I will look forward to having a few more mouthfuls of that after we have another clue in our game of who, what, when, well, why wine. Your who was Charles Tam, Tam with two M's, first to plant because he was looking for soil similar to native Burgundy. Your what is a bit, basically a monocle. Your win is a 1966, which they say on their website was the first commercial vintage of this winery's wine. Uh, so that was the game that actually was the game. And now we're going to play the game that's not a game. But the fact that I call things games that aren't games is, as we would say at UCB School of Comedy, <laughs> which I'm also a graduate, uh, that's the game. So I'm just cheersing you again because... Cheers to me, guys. Cheers to you. You've been through. <laughs> you've been with me through all of this. Um, we look at this wine. It is a medium gold, I would say. It almost. Maybe it's just the light I'm looking at. No, it's probably because it's reflecting the pink of my lava lamp. I was like, it almost has a coppery tone to it. Uh, the nose is medium plus. You immediately get like. I mean, it's definitely got that sort of brioche, but like not a buttery brioche. So maybe just like, as it's a friendly piece of of white bread <laughs> but like really good white bread not a sourdough perhaps just a baguette um this is baguette and there's a hint of like white flour in there like just a daisy maybe yeah like a daisy um oh i'm like hyacinth guys i have no idea what hyacinth uh smells like you get oh it's like underripe and also really ripe, like a little bit of citrus, like a little sweet, a little sweet, a little sweet, maybe lemon, Meyer lemon even maybe, ah, oh, a little baked apple, mm, but just a little bit, like, oh, golly gee, guys, let's just let's let's take a taste. Mmm. That one was based because this both because this is delicious and also because I forgot to discuss the bubbles. They are tiny, fine, and persistent bubbles. They are delicate. This is just plush and delicate. It's all get out. By the way, in case you don't know, brut nature means that there was no dosage on this champagne, which means once they got rid of all the gunk left over from the secondary fermentation, they did not add anything to sweeten up this bottle. They let it be its <laughs> probably high acid self. So let's analyze structure. Mmm. Yeah, bone dry, medium plus acid. Alcohol I already saw was 12% by accident, but I mean, that places it like squarely in medium. Oh. God, the bubbles are, they are so, they are just petite. They're like just the most petite little tiny bubbles, just like they're having a little party on your tongue. It's, you know, some, some wines you get the bubbles and they're kind of like, you know, they're aggressive. But these are just like, they're just like, we're just happy to be here. <laughs> mm. I'm getting more like 
nuttiness on the palate. Like, oh, definitely a lot more tart fruit, but also like, like someone drizzled just a tiny bit of honey over the fruit. Yeah, just like a little bit of honey on a lot of citrus fruit and um, on that cheese plate. Because, uh, I don't know, there might be something cheesy here. Like, like sharp cheddar cheesy. Not really, no, wait. Gruyere cheddar. Some, someone also put a walnut. <laughs> um, I love that, you know, sometimes I call wines, I they remind me of a fabric or an outfit or my synesthesia goes into full play and now this is the first time that I've imagined a glass of champagne as a cheese plate so <laughs> but the cheese plate would be really weird because it has like raw lemons on it too so hmm ooh there's maybe a bit of when I said baked apple I think it's more like baked bosque pear yeah baked bosque pear a squeeze of lemon a squeeze of honey there's a walnut nearby and a piece of cheese. Um, and you have a glorious piece of white bread to sop it all up or to put it all on or to just nibble in between. Like this wine, it's like every sip it hits me with something slightly different. Also, and I love this, there's like an ocean fresh salinity to it. <laughs> um, it's interesting because I can, this is only one-third Chardonnay, and I would guess that maybe the deep color, golden color, tends to come maybe from having, or, oh, maybe the almost pink color, and I see it actually is, because there's so much Pinot Noir and Pinot Meunier in this, maybe it's from that. Um, I don't get much, like, red fruit or those kind of flavor markers, but I do get, like, a florality that I think kind of possibly comes from Pinot Noir. Mm. You know, I saw someone use the phrase sweet herbs recently, and I was like, what the fuck are sweet herbs? And I think they were saying it was like thyme and stuff. There is a hint of rosemary on this wine. Is that a sweet herb? I'm not sure. You tell me. If you know what a sweet herb is, okay, A, I want to know what you ate for breakfast. B, I, what was the other thing I wanted you to do? Ah, oh, I had an assignment for you. Um, was it to research how you pronounce Sanger? Maybe. Um, but also now, you know what? I should stop making, I want to know what you think, um, sweet herbs are. Ooh, yeah, definitely. It's really every sip. So let's, let's think about this as, cause it's like the herbs are like sluicing, is that the right word? Through this panorama of, of baked <laughs> baked pear drizzled with honey. Uh, I'm just getting a kick out of how I'm describing this wine. I try and sometimes work on, I feel like sometimes I see the way people describe wine and I'm like, that is such a, like, I never think of that structural way of being like, how the elements wrap around each other and entwine. Um, so I'm trying to work on that. And I'm also, like I said, been looking at front, mid, and back palette. So let's do that. Front palette. Hmm. You know, you get more of the, like, you get, like, the sour, but also, like, florality on the tip of the tongue. Mm. Mid-palate comes cream. That may just be the texture. Ooh, it's the roof of your mouth with, like, another, like, the, the acid comes back to get you. And the end is, like, now we're going to soak all this into that piece of bread for you. Uh, that's my analysis of that. The finish is medium plus. 
Um, this is an extraordinary bargain, um, or like extraordinarily uh, friendly, friendly priced wine. Songhe from Avis, Voyage 360, Brut Nature. Uh, and they run a school, like, I, I'm a big fan. I don't think I'd ever had Songhe. I hope I'm saying that right. Because, yeah, I, I would see, like, if I was thinking, oh, this is French, I would probably say Songhe, based on how it's spelled. And then me just looking at it and not even thinking about it being French, I was just like, Sanger? But Songhe, without war. You guys, if there's one thing we all need to bound, like, bind together on right now, it is avoiding war. <laughs> but for, like, for realsies. Do you know what else we need to bond together on is uh, roasting beets. I'm really, I have some beets in my fridge right now, and I don't know, probably just sipping this bubbly has made me hungry now, but I'm like, ooh, I can't wait to put some beets in my oven when I finish this. I don't do anything special. I just uh, wash them, put them on a large square of aluminum foil, drizzle a little bit of water into it, and then wrap them up and put them straight on the rack at about eh, 450-ish for like an hour, hour and a half, depending on the size, and then I take them off and use the paper towel to, and sometimes I try and resist and wait. Sometimes I try and slice them up so I'm dainty, but last night I roasted a beet and I took it out and I just like picked it up like an apple and bit into it because I was like, this is so good. You guys, that was a classic, classic example of a tangent. Okay, you guys, songa, get it. Let's not have wars, just beets. And musical beats too. Um, yeah. Um, let's have another clue in the game that actually is a game. The bones upon which the Colby cheese with mustard of this podcast hang upon. Your who is Charles Tam, T-A-M-M. You know, wanted wanted that cool limestone moral thing they got going on in Burgundy. Found it here. First plant. Uh, your what is a, basically a monopole, like only one winery in this region. Both the same name. Your wins, 1966, the first commercial vintage. Your where is Monterey, which means in California. More specifically for Monterey, on the Gavilan Mountain Range. Guys, I, I have to confess, I took a Geology of Monterey uh, seminar sponsored by Som Foundation. Thank you, Som Foundation on Monday, and it was fascinating. I realized I don't actually know all that much about Monterey, besides that there's the Salinas, Salinas, Salinas uh, Valley that funnels in all that nice cool air, and there's like, <laughs> as I now know, some fascinating soils. I'm probably telling you too much. Uh, oh, let's have our next segment, um, the cinema. Oh, that's what I wanted. Okay. I wanted to know what you ate for breakfast. I want your suggestions for what I name a segment in which I talk about a film thing involving wine and then I also want to know what sweet herbs are to you what when I say sweet herbs free associate just like be free let it all out tell me what sweet herbs means to you that was a little creepy oof so this is a little bit of me like uh, double double using things I'm I'm writing so last week our who was it last week I think it was our who, what, where, when, where, why wine was for Ratafia de Champagne, which came to my attention because it was a request from uh, Lady Danbury 
uh, on Bridgerton, which I'm still like, I'm so obsessed with Bridgerton. And I managed to convince Delectable to let me write an article about like all the Regency era drinks that they have in it. Um, so this is me a little bit using the research I already did, but I think, you know, some people probably read my words and listen to the pod, but not everyone does both things. So I just wanted to share with you some of the research I did into this and what it uncovered. And also then if you want to watch Bridgerton, dudes, okay, one more assignment. Want to know what you ate for breakfast? Want to know what I should call the cinemas uh, segment? Want to know what sweet herbs are? One more thing. I want you to watch Bridgerton so that I can gossip about it with you. I'm so obsessed. I shouldn't be, but I'm so obsessed. Anyway, um, where was I going with this? Okay, so the thing that first made me think like, oh, I should really start to like, uh, you know, inspect what people drank in Regency era England was the fact that Lady Dunbury requested Ritafia. And so I had Ritafia, it's a vin de liqueur, meaning like they, they add a, um, a spirit to the juice before it started to ferment, the juice from the wine grapes. And also for these grapes, at least these days, I believe, they, they like let them raisinate a little bit. Anyway, but then I was like finding other definitions of Ritafia as a liqueur, so I was like, what? What was it when she asked for Ritafia? What was she asking for? And so I tell this to my friend Eric, um, and he was like, crazy, I'm reading a book about sex workers in the Georgian era, which, you know, Mad King George, Georgian era. It was right before Regency. Uh, George was still around for Regency. He was just fucking crazy by then, so people just listened to Queen Charlotte. Anyway, he was like, they totally mentioned Ratafia in this book about sex workers, so he, he's like, I'll find the passage for you. Um, so let me read what they said about Ratafia in uh, this book, which oh, I don't remember what it was called. Is this legal? Am I allowed to read this? I, I will uh, next episode tell you the name of the book. I should make a note of that. Okay, next up, cite your book. Okay. Now you have to listen or else I'm gonna feel like a piece of shit. I probably also, if you Google books about Georgian era sex workers, there can't be too many, can there? Um, okay, so. Here's the passage she sent me. Constables were called and Sally oh, was arrested for disorderly conduct. No doubt she was horribly drunk, a vice her biographies hint at, um, for they reveal that she was very fond of tea, which is to say tea with a slug of whiskey, and ratafia, which was a strong liqueur flavored with peach or cherry kernels and bitter almonds. Ratafia appears to have been widely popular among whores and in bagnos or bathhouses, and could literally be a killer if consumed in large and regular amounts because peach and cherry kernels and almonds produce hydrogen cyanide. My God. Sally was committed to Newgate, but soon released by a judge named Blagney, who was infatuated with her. Wow, this Sally, what a dame. Um, so anyway, there you have it. I'm pretty sure that Lady Danbury was asking for the same thing as um, apparently what the sex workers. I somehow, whore just sounds like disrespectful. I'm like, she, she was a sex worker uh, or a whore. I don't know. Um, I don't know which is the correct term to use. The book says whore. So clearly it's right. I don't know. Um, so anyway, Ratafia, 
probably just go with the Ratafia de Champagne if you can find it. It's fucking delicious. It's like it, it's definitely a after dinner dessert drink. It's sweet, um, but yeah, it's it's good stuff. Uh, read the article and you get my full rundown on that because I did secure a bottle. Okay, yeah, do not do not drink the things with elements that contain hydrogen cyanide creating compounds. Another thing not to drink from Bridgerton would be a random assortment of herbs that you think are going to make you um, miscarry because that happens. That's, that's a drink in the series. There's also, I'm just giving you like the quick rundown of my notes. Like the, 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 the column gives you like... Um, episode by episode, blow by blow. It, it should be out next week, I think. Um, anyway, so lots of tea. If you're watching Bridgerton, if you, if you don't want to have booze, they drink so much tea. They also, at the ball, you know, Daphne is like, needs to escape people. And she's like, I need a glass of lemonade. And it was such, it looked like the most refreshing lemonade. It was like all, like, icy, like, you're like, that looks like the best lemonade I have ever seen in my life. And now I want to make a lemonade. And then I was like, I should make limoncello. And then I was like, oh, I already have a bottle of limoncello, but I have blood oranges, so I want to make some blood orange cello, and I'm gonna. So then also, like, they just, they drink so much at all times of the day <laughs> in the show. They drink a lot of red wine. I don't know if I saw a single glass of white wine, unless you count champagne. I'll have more to say about that later. Uh, so it was probably, quote-unquote, the new French claret, because previously, claret, as they called it from France, was like kind of pale. And then like around this time, they, I guess, were getting better at like fermenting or like letting the red grapes rest on their skins longer. So they have these like fuller, more robust red wines. So they were, you know, it really, if you were to pick like one thing that could probably fit or you'll see a character drinking it in every episode, claret aka get some Bordeaux, or um, or brandy, because there's a fair amount, well, you see a lot of brown spirits, and then, like, there's a lot of references to brandy, like, there's about to be, oh, I should have said spoiler alert, spoiler alert, um, this whole segment, spoiler alert, duh, um, he's, like, he's about to go duel, and they're like, wow, this is the good stuff, and it's just like, I might die, so I'm drinking the good stuff, so, you know, pour yourself some brandy, Oh, so here's what I was going to say about bubbles. You see in one episode, there, there's so many balls. I, I lost count of how many balls was in this were in this series. I do know that in one of the episodes, Daphne is talking to Simon. And she's like, if we're going to fool all the people that were together, I require at least eight balls. And I was like, that's crazy. I usually only need two. Um, <laughs> sorry, bad joke. There's so many balls. Anyway, one of the balls, there's a champagne tower where you stack up the coupe and you pour from the top and it all flows into the... I I've done it before. It's... Even if it's not messy, it's messy, <laughs> is all I'll say about that. But then I was going back at my to my champagne research, and who knows, maybe they're drinking some other sparkling wine, but doubtful. Um, I mean, this time, I think it's... Eight, I think 1813 is the year this Bridgerton, the first episode, or the first season takes place. They were, like, just getting a grip on how to properly riddle wine, aka slowly turn it upside down so that all the, like, dead yeast cells settle in the neck of the bottle and the like disgorgement they were like just getting a handle on this and then apparently it wasn't even till later that century that more dry style started to show up so i'm guessing 
like if you really want to want to get with Bridgerton, get like at least a a sec or an extra sec um champagne or something a little sweeter even like seek out those sweet bubbles. I don't drink sweet bubbles that much. Definitely not from champagne, but I don't know. Maybe I should. Uh, ironically, the one champagne I have here in my glass is a Brut Nature, which is the dry, so the dry. Legally, this champagne can have no more than three grams per liter of residual sugar in it. Fun fact. Probably not that fun, but it's the type of thing you have to know to pass diploma. Um, so, yeah. How many, like, yeah. I'm trying to think of the last time I drank bubbles that were, like, sweet. And I'm coming up short. Oh, well, I guess Moscato, Moscato Dasti um, is a little, a, a little, yeah, it, it's, it's in that category. It's probably at least sec, maybe demi-sec. I don't know. Um, so yeah, these are your things to drink while watching Bridgerton, which, as I said, what you ate for breakfast what I call my cinema segment, what sweet herbs means to you, and then uh, watch Bridgerton. <laughs> I don't know. I suddenly, now I have a diploma and I think I'm the teacher. I'm like, here's your homework. Report back next week or I will be very disappointed in you and give you a bad grade. I'm just kidding, you guys. I'm nobody. The, the funny thing is like one of the first things I texted, my, I was texting with Eric, the one who's reading books about Georgian sex workers, and I was like, the problem is people are going to expect me to know things now. And I still feel like I know nothing sometimes. Yeah. Um, anyway, if you drink too much Bridgerton booze, they also have episodes where the characters are like, need hangover cures. <laughs> I was like, how, you know, this is a very fanciful series, but uh, there's some logic and like reason in here. Uh, one of the cures offered to the very, uh, hungover Violet Bridgerton, that, that's the, the, the matriarch, was raw eggs and garlic, which... Fortunately for her, she realized she had a wedding to plan before she had to drink it. She's like, never mind, don't need that, I'm high on life. Um, and then, like, Simon is offered raw, or, uh, burnt toast and grease? How did they phrase it? But it was definitely burnt toast, which I was like, oh, this makes sense, because people say activated charcoal takes all the toxins out of your body. Anyway, that's my Bridgerton booze update. Like I said, I want to know what I should call this when I talk about because I have another, I have another, um, this one actually explicitly booze, um, it's about wine, uh, thing to review for you. So I'm like, what do I name this segment? <sighs> okay, let's go back to the game, this game. Your who is Charles Tam? First plant, because he was looking for soil similar to the native Burgundy. Your what is a, basically a monopole, one winery, one region. When 1966, first commercial vintage... Where Monterey on the Gavilon mountain, uh, mountain range? Why? Um, and I didn't know I wanted amazing Chardonnay, but I... The Stomp Foundation, bless you. You sent me some incredible wines. Like, you're getting what you want. You're telling me about Monterey because you want people to drink a Monterey. Well, I'm telling people about Monterey because you sent me some fucking amazing wines from Monterey. They sent me the Chardonnay from this winemaker, and I was like this is so good and uh what and it wasn't i actually had opened up the night before because they sent me a bunch of bottles i'm like i'm not opening all these during the seminar 
So maybe I'll try and pass some judgments before so I know what to pay attention to. And I opened it and I was like, oh, when they get to winery, I'm going to pay attention because this wine's amazing. Before I give you what this winery is, you know, rate, review, iTunes, blah, 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 blah. That'd be super cool. Um, if I start a Patreon, support me on it. Send me a graduation check. Um, no matter what you do, like I said, what you ate for breakfast, what to call the cinema segment, sweet herbs, and um, watch Bridgerton. Okay, so what I was talking about was Chalone Winery, C-H-A-L-O-N-E. It is, um, as I said, at the Gavilon Mountain range, but it's like just like it's above the cloud line, the fog line. So it gets like a good amount of sunlight despite being in like the murky, cloudy, damp, fierce wind blowing in from Monterey Bay um, area. And the cool thing is, so it's like basically the foot of a, like it's near the base of an extinct volcano, but there's these like areas of limestone so if you know i talked i think it was last week the week before i talked about soil and i'm like limestone comes from like usually like the the beds of sea where like there's lots of dead sea creatures but like uh, the, the soil the igneous soil from like a volcano how were these like amounts how are these bits of seawater was there a sea in the middle of lava it's crazy, and it's all. This is all near um, a fault line, and it's just crazy. These soils. Uh, one of the people talking was like, "I never believed it until I saw it." People were like, "Oh yeah, it's crazy. There's all this volcanic rock, and then all of a sudden there's these patches of limestone in the middle of it." She's like, "I didn't believe it until I saw it," and now I'm like kind of obsessed with Shalom, and a their wine's fucking amazing, and b the geology sounds fascinating, and I also got like from the whole region, not just alone. Like I got a lot of other sexy soil names like Aeolian Loess and stuff to, to tell you about. So, you know, look forward to me giving you the lowdown on greenfield potatoes. They're not potatoes, they're rocks. Um, yeah, so that was your who, what, when, where, why wine. As you can tell, I'm in like a wild mood and not just now because I've had like half a glass of champagne. You guys, this is really good. I, oh... I, I really actually I do wish I was sharing this with someone right now as it is I have like those really good stoppers that will contain the bubbles for a day or so but like Jesus Christ this is good thank you for sharing all this with me uh, I hope you are doing well you have your homework if you haven't written it down by now you know what this is a podcast you can rewind and listen um and next week, we'll be back with a break from what my quarantine format has been. Like, we'll have a little bit of a long more, uh, long more, long form chat with a winemaker, um, to be specific, in case you're like chomping at the bit. It'll be uh, from Working Winery. Lisa, she's super awesome, and I'm going to talk to her. So, guys, go forth, be a good person. You know what you should do? You should be songe. And uh, I'll see you next week. Cheers. Glass. I just drink wine. I don't fuck with my I just drink wine. I don't fuck with minute mates. I just drink wine. I don't fuck with coffee mates. I just drink wine. Give me red, white, or say, Don't touch me, motherfucker. I'm a sommelier.
been a Boardwalk Audio podcast. For more information and shows, visit BoardwalkAudio.com. Don't forget to rate and subscribe now.